Uh, I'm glad to be here. Got home later last night um, and uh, hadn't experienced a Florida State football game in a long time. And it turned out there was actually a football game and they looked somewhat coherent. And that was amazing to me. I feel like that was the Lord. Uh, but it was great to see. I get to see my daughter and uh, she's doing, doing well. Um, we, are, we are starting a series, just a short four-week series on what it means to be uh, the church and what, it, what does it mean to be, uh, what the biblical term is, the ecclesia. Let's go to our first slide here. Uh, when you think of that term, uh, it, it means the believers, the believers, uh, a community of all true believers. But if you take that word, ecclesia, ek, we are called out of, uh, or ek from, kaleo means to be called out. And so we're supposed to be uh, this people that are called out. Uh, from the world to be distinct and to show a difference to be a, a in the old testament it says to be a particular people um and this morning i, I want to take a um just a kind of a seven verse passage from paul where he's he he prays and we're just going to read this prayer because what paul is trying to do uh for you and for me is to protect the church and in his prayer of protection i think we get insight into what we're called to be because uh, I think some of us forget uh, the experience that we're supposed to have as a Christian. Some of us think, are, you know, these are these uh, truths to be ascended to intellectually. Um, and Paul says, no, no, it's so much more than that, right? This experience, he's praying to the Lord, God, protect these Christians, right? I want to protect uh, their experience. So we got to go to the game uh, yesterday and... Um, we, we got there early, and we were around these painted, crazy Seminole fans. And, you know, you hear all kinds of things. And we were right next to them. And it was before the game had started. And I heard this one. I had my youngest son, Jake, next to me. And uh, he, uh, he was sitting there. And I, and I could, out of my left ear here, this guy was kind of said something inappropriate. And he was going to, like, basically stand up and say it. And as he stood up, I just shot my eye over at him, and he's like, I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And he's like, okay, and he sat down. I'm like, that's right. I'm protecting the experience of a Florida State football game for my youngest son, Jake. Um, and I think, in a real way, Paul prays over you and me. Because what he's trying to do is protect um, our experience as Christians. So this is uh, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Paul writing this to the church at Ephesus. For the reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted in and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout 
all generations forever and ever. What has your experience been like as a Christian and in knowing God? One thing that we know here, Paul is trying to make sure, and we've made this distinction uh, in the past, he wants you to know God. He wants it to be a life-changing experience. And so many people, I think, in this room, you settle for just knowing about God. I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to get a few truths. But in this prayer, if you really look at it, Paul is praying that our experience, right, that our experience will be what John described in John chapter 1, that you will live truly an abundant life. If someone had to describe the life that Jesus uh, came to give you, you know, John says that Christ came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Do you have abundant life? Paul is praying that he would, that God, will you protect this this idea of the Christian life being an abundant one. A full, right? A full life. And, and so, when, when you think uh, initially, what I, first point I want to make is this, is that there truly is um, a reality of this experience. You can truly know uh, God um, and have a, a powerful experience with Him. Because I think some of us don't realize that you have a billion dollars in your bank account and you're living like a pauper. You do not, you not realize what you have access to. We're settling for things. We're, we're, we're settling just knowing about God and, and what God is saying is He wants to actually know you. That there is, there's a way to live that's so much greater um, than, than just ascending to what, what it means to think about Jesus. Now, I want you to listen to this um, this is a quote from Blaise Pascal. Right? And Blaise Pascal was basically the founder of probability and statistics, the whole study of this part of uh, the math world. And when he died, they found part of his diary. And, um, you know, I think some of us can think, okay, this is a logical dude, so crazy smart. His scientific brain worked in structures, and it probably was an Excel sheet or some kind of graph. And here is, um, this is his diary. In the year of grace, 1654, Monday, 23rd November, the day of St. Clement, from about half past ten in the evening until about half an hour after midnight, fire. That was one line all by itself. And then he writes, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and of the learned, certainty, period, joy, period, certainty, period, emotion period sight period joy period forgetfulness of the world and all outside of god the world has not known you but now i have known you joy 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 tears of joy my god do not leave me let me not ever be separated from you blaze pascal 1654 in his journal and then he went to the, you know, and then he went to the math class and did some theorem or whatever he did. We dichotomize, right? This is this is the way it is. No, and here here's a man who knew the Lord. This is the founder of Princeton University, Jonathan Edwards, regarded as one of the, the smartest, most intellectual men in the history of, of our nation. He 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 wrote this in his diary. Once as I rode out into the woods for my health in 1737, having alighted from my horse in a retired place. 
as my manner commonly has been, to walk for divine contemplation and prayer. I had a view. That was for me extraordinary. That, that must have been something of the glory of the Son of God as mediator between God and man and his wonderful, great, full, pure, and sweet grace and love and meek and gentle condescension. This grace that appeared so calm and sweet appeared also great above the heavens. The person of Christ appeared ineffably excellent with an excellency great enough to swallow up all thought and conception, which continued as near as I can judge for about an hour, which kept me the greater part of the time in tears and weeping aloud. What happened with both these dudes, right? Smartest guys, most logical guys. Here's what I think happened. I think they grasped in those moments the height and the width and the breadth and the depth of the love of Christ. And that um, is what they fought for. They will not settle, right, for this just kind of cotton candy Christianity, this, you know, I'm going to just check the box. Now, these were men that knew the, 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 the power of logic, right? The need to have a hammer. And, and if you see a nail, okay, I can use that. But they also knew that the Bible teaches not just logic. The Bible teaches you must have an emotional faith believing in what you cannot see. And I'm wondering, have you settled? Because Paul, as the ecclesia, he wants you to know God intimately. Do you know him intimately? Not know about him. Do you know him? Paul, he's praying for you and for me. He's saying, you know what? This is a reality. I'm not making this stuff up. This is a reality that you can have. And I think what's happened is um, we have... We have done some things or are settled for things less than. And so Paul is saying, no, the, re the reality is here. And Paul's prayer, Paul's vision is for you to know him intimately. Second thing is this. What is the nature of the experience then? What is it? I mean, when you look at what Paul, how Paul prays for us, and kind of gives us a vision for, uh, for, for what it's supposed to be like, I want to I tell you what he basically refuses to split between and I kind of just explained a little bit but he refused let's go to the next he refused to split emotion with thinking that those are not it's a false dichotomy Paul didn't see things that way just like Pascal he's like yeah I, I, I'm thinking about God and how great he is and all the mathematical truths that are our, our, our God and I also weep when I walk with him and I think about him that 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 is what it means to to walk with God and to be a Christian um, and, and you think about the beginning of this, of this prayer you know, he, he says for this reason I kneel before the Father you know you could stand and pray and that would be accepted but if you obviously felt like you needed to kneel and we see this all throughout particularly the gospels um, that uh, in Jesus in Mark 11 talks about how no, no, you have a real, real need. You have a real, real desire and earnestness when you get on your knees to pray. It's something different. Maybe many times it was if you, if you were having a hard time forgiving somebody. You drop to your knees and ask God for power to come. And Paul is saying, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. It's going to be, it's going to be very, very emotional. Look what um, Jonathan Edwards experienced. Look what Blaise Pascal experienced. Do you experience that? 
Do you have that type of experience with God? Because it is meant, you are meant to have that type of rich intimacy and that nature you should never split between emotion and thinking. The second thing we can't do is we can't split between Jesus and me, right? We like to climb up a tree, my buddy, Jesus and me, right? The old commercial. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, it's okay. We make this about, uh, I'm I'm a, it's just my relationship with Christ, that's it. That's the only thing that matters. And so many people like the idea of spirituality or a walk with Christ. And you know what they hate? The idea of church. They hate the idea of an ecclesia. No, talk to me all you want, Frank, about about, uh, an individual walk with the God of the universe. But don't tell me to be in, in, in relationship with one another. I get it. Most of us don't want to be accountable. I know. Most of us don't want to be in a group. We don't want to have to deal with issues um, that, you know, are of division. Um, they want it when they want it. You know, it's kind of like, well, no, I just want an online experience with God. I want to be able to be in my office by myself with God and have that experience. And that's really what's made up, what makes up my walk with Christ. And it's just not the definition. I mean, when Jesus, when Jesus said, let me summarize the 613 Old Testament laws. Here it is. Love God with everything you have, and you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not just love God. You have to lo- learn to love each other. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to see my warts, and I'm going to see your warts. And you know what? Some people are going to rub you the wrong way. And you're going to rub people the wrong way. And, and it's, and it's going to be hard at times. But you know what? You need a Paul, I think. I think everybody needs a Paul. And everybody needs a Timothy. In other words, you need somebody that's going to mentor you. And you know what? I think you need to be mentoring somebody else if you've been in the faith for some period of time. You need a mother in the faith. You need a sister in the faith. Brothers in the faith that know, you know, they can call you out only a way one man can call out another man. And only the way a woman can call out another woman. The only way, you know, girls that have been in a small group for three years, they can say things that, you know, no one else could say. This is what Paul is saying. I want you to grasp, what does he say? With all the saints. That's the prayer. He doesn't say, I want you to grasp this by yourself. I want you to grasp with all the saints. And at the very end, to him be glory. Where? In the church. I want Jesus to be glorified in the church. But there has to be a church. And so, when you think about the nature of this reality, he says, here's what we don't do. We don't make a a false dichotomy between emotions and thinking, and we don't make a false dichotomy between individual Christianity and community Christianity. They're, They're both the same. Christianity is communal, and it is individual, and it's emotional, and it's thoughtful and doctrinal. That's what what it is. That's how uh, you get there. And then look what the word he uses here. When you get down to the center of this of this this uh, prayer here, I mean, what, what, you know, I, I really it's grasp together with the saints to what to grasp. That's what you want to do. And if you really look at that word in the Greek. The word actually has more of a, like an ambush. <laughs> You're ambushed, if you will, by what? By the power of God. That you're going to have an experience that might feel like being ambushed by that. I mean, in, in, I'm going through this uh, Dave Ramsey course. We're doing it on Thursday nights. 
and uh, this past uh, Thursday night, he was talking about debt. And he was talking about being slave to a lender and the power of that. And I was thinking about that uh, before I ever had any debt. <laughs> and that's, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be slave to anybody. Yeah, I can, I can see how that would be awkward. But then we look at our credit card bill now, and it's like, oh, gosh. You know, the information of that verse becomes a what? A sensation. The information hits me. Now I get it. No, no, I can't do that because I got to pay this, right? I know what's going to happen to this score if I do that. And what? I become a slave. <laughs> I'm feeling the information, right? I become debt makes me a slave to the lender. And so when you understand these things, the Bible is saying, look, I want these things to be true. Maybe you had a father or a mother who said things like, you know what, you won't amount to much. You really won't. I mean, I look at your life and you really don't amount to a whole lot. And, um, and in the Bible, you come to the Bible and you say, okay, you know what? Uh, oh, father in our Father in Heaven says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I gave my son to die for you. In my son, when I look at you, I see complete beauty. Okay? But do you, you can hear that, but do you have a sense of that? Has the information become a sensation in your heart? And that's what Paul says, this whole prayer is about, is protecting that. I, I want you to know, right? And, and what he, basically we understand that to mean is when uh, you hear what God says more than what your father or mother might say, you're getting it. When you taste what God says more than what your brother said to you or what your friend said to you, when it's more vivid and it's more formative than those other words, that is what God is, is talking about. Because at times, there's a kind of emotion that is opposed to truth that does pass away, right? And that's not what we're talking to. That's what we're not talking about. I mean, imagine if I, if that, that, that Yahoo who was going to say what he was going to say said something in front of Jake, and I would just, you know, nice right hook, right, in his eye. And I just thought, okay, in my emotion, I'm just going to clock this guy in the face. That would not have been good, um, because I would have probably been, you know, imprisoned, and, and I would not have a job, and it would be horrible. <laughs> but um, there, there are emotions that can blind you to the truth, and that's not what we're talking about here. False emotion, they pass away. But when the Spirit, right, descends on you and it says when the spirit actually opens you up it prepares your inmost being and then when the truth right when the truth comes like it came to peter when basically uh it was revealed to peter peter you've been a racist you won't even sit with the gentiles all you do is sit with the jews no we're gonna kill all these dietary laws this is in the book of acts peter's like and i have been i, I won't even sit with that race i won't i that has got to die inside of me. And Paul, God says to him, Peter, you have let the Gentiles into, you have to let the Gentiles into the church as equals. Then what happened? He realized God played no favorites and what he was ambushed. <laughs> the information became the sensation and it worked. There is no dichotomy between the two. And so when we think about this, when we think about it in our own lives, I'm wondering, that nature of the experience, do you have those? Or have you categorized it? Well, emotion or thoughts, individual, community, no. 
the, the, the emotion and the truth have to meet to give you right, the experience. And so that is what we're working for. That is what Paul is trying to protect because maybe some of you have just lost it. You've decided to not feel anything anymore. And, and Paul is saying, no, no, no. I pray that you will grasp, that it will ambush you what? How wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's greater, greater than knowledge. And so if you think about, if you think about that reality, Paul's vision for the church, it does not split. So then when you look at these verses, how do you get it then? Okay, Frank, okay, you've described it a little bit. You say it's a reality, okay? And you describe the nature of that reality. Well, then how in the world do we get it? What do we do to, to move towards this? Well, I think, I think this verse um, gives us three steps. If you, that's a good Presbyterian there. Three easy steps. No, three steps. First is this. Is we have to be spiritually prepared. And you can't do that. The Holy Spirit has to do that. Look what he says. He says, I'm praying you'll be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in your inner being. You know what? Some of you need to pray. You haven't felt things in a long time. You cannot muster up spirituality. You cannot do it. It's God who does it to you. And so Paul prays for the church. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit moves in you. So to start, you have to say what? Lord, here's, here's what your prayer goes like. Lord, I'm incapable of this. I sit here in church and I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm not moved by anything, you know. He has no pictures this morning. You know, I'm just, just bored out of my mind. I'm not, no, okay. Just be honest with him. Say it. Lord, I'm not moved. There's something in my heart. You have to prepare my heart. You know what it proves? It proves all of this is a gift from God. When you pray like that, it proves it's just a gift. God, Holy Spirit, move in my life. This means you can't ever get Christian experience by what? By going after the experience. And some of us are chasing it all the time. And you jump from church to church to church to church just trying to get the experience you want. And you can't get it. You can't go and make it happen. It's the Spirit of God that moves inside of you. And, and Paul shows us that. You have to pray, God. God, move in my heart. You um, God, are, are what I want, but I don't want you right now. It's like the jailer who said, Lord, help my unbelief. Or the, the soldier that prayed that, help my unbelief. Can you pray that prayer? That's a humble prayer. Because you basically tell, are telling God, I can't, do, I can't do any tricks here. I can't do any emotional tricks on Sunday morning. Pray that what? The inner, my, my inside will be changed by you, God. So that's the first thing. It's spiritual preparation that has to what? That has to tell God, I can't get after experiences by myself. Um, God, you have to do it. Second is this. You need gospel understanding. Let's go to the next. Yeah. Gospel understanding. This is what you need. You have to understand um, what, it, what, what the gospel means as far as what um, Paul is saying here. Um, you ever seen the movie Armageddon? Armageddon is, is the story about this big big massive meteor that's coming to destroy the world and there's no greater story than when someone harry stamper played by bruce willis right is there on this um, i guess on this crater that's coming barreling towards the earth and he's got a nuclear bomb and at the very end this kind of dramatic scene you see what you see bruce willis 
who's with Ben Affleck, who's going to be his son-in-law, kind of, uh, they have to decide because they can't remote detonate this nuclear bomb. So if you've already, if you haven't watched it, I'm just going to apologize right now. I'm giving it away. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's on all the time, though, if you have any, you know, oh my goodness, like on every night. But it's this beautiful story of what? Of Bruce Willis saying at the last minute, no, 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 no. You're not going to die for me. I'm dying for you. And he pushes Ben Affleck into this little, you know, thing that makes sure he goes up into the spaceship and he gets to fly away. And there's Harry Stamper, right? The oil guy who's what? He's going he's gonna, to um, sacrifice his life for the lives of the entire world. And he's going to save the world, which he did. And uh, there's no, what, there is no more moving um, story than that. If they're going to live, then I must die. That's the st- and when you look at Christianity, here, here are the principles. Here are the rules, right? You have to fall in love with the person who does that. That's the rule. I mean, every other religion will say, here are the rules, here are the principles to follow. And in Christianity, it says, okay, the only way you're going to get this is if you fall in love with the guy who died so that you may live and you just look at his life and you pray through his life and you stare at his life and you ask God to understand his life and that's the man, Jesus, who you fall in love with. He becomes everything to you. And it's right there, right? The information of Jesus has to turn into a sensation. And then what do you do? Then, oh, okay. Okay, so, so then I start reading this stuff and I'm like, okay, so, so let me think about Jesus. Let me think about the width of Jesus, right? So we're, we're using dimensions or, or, or the breadth of Jesus. You think, okay, because on the cross, Jesus said, you know what? When I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all men to myself. And in Revelation 5, 9, it says, God has redeemed us by the, us by, uh, the blood out of every tongue and every tribe, people, and nation. And you realize that the breadth of the cross is this, no matter what you've done, no matter if you feel like you're right in front of the gates of hell right now in your life. No matter what you've done, you can still, uh, the, the love of God covers you. That's how wide it is. And then you think, okay, then he says, oh, the length of God. I fall in love. What, what do you, look at the cross, right? You just look at the cross. The length of, of, of the cross, right? We're told in the Bible that the lamb was slain before the foundations of that world. You know the length that Jesus went to for me? He came and even though I was mean to him, he said, nope, it's okay. Even though he was misunderstood, even though he was scorned, even though he was lonely, he will go through any length for you and for me. That's how, how beautiful the love of Christ. And until that ambushes you, you won't get it. But that is the point. And that's what Paul wants for the ecclesia, for you to get that in your bones. Even though we spit on him at the cross, he relentlessly loved on us. It doesn't matter for God to say, I will never leave or forsake you unless what you look at the cross it's just going to be information that's what he says and then you think okay okay so what does it mean there's the depth to the cross there's the breadth and the length but then there's also the depth and you think about what to what depths did he go and you think about what jesus said my god my god why have you forsaken me he literally dove into the deepest hole to be separated from God that the wrath of God would be placed on him and he would get that far away that deep and far away from his father so that we could be close that depth is what he has and then you think about the height think about what he says in in John 17 father 
I want them, you, West Town, to have glory, to have the glory we had before the world began. So here's what he says. I got to go up to heaven. I got to go up to the highest of highs to what prepare a place for you and for me. When you start falling in love with Jesus and the information becomes a sensation and you think, okay, Paul's praying for breadth and he's praying for height and depth. Like what? He goes, that's it. Because when that becomes, and that gets into your bones, right? And you begin to tell stories. You know what he says? Uh, he says, look, I need you to ask God to spiritually prepare you. I need you to understand the gospel story. And then here's, and this is the hard part. Then I think we do this. I think we need together in the church to simply, with God, meditate and contemplate on that truth. And just say, okay, God, um, I, I want to study with you and your presence with my small group, with my men's group, with my wife, with my sons and my daughters. With you know, I, I want to do that because here's what I want to do. I, I believe that my emotions will change and my temper will change. So my wife says I have a really bad temper, and she's walking on eggshells around. But you know, I think that changes when I understand height, breadth, depth, all this of the cross. I think um, my relationships begin to change once I contemplate that. And I, and I allow that to kind of just overwhelm me. And that's what Paul's prayer is. In fact, he says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could even think of in your chair right now. You, you can't even comprehend what God can do in your life. He, he, he will, um, all you could even imagine according to his power is at work. So let's let him give the glory. Let's us be the church. Let's take the information bring it to that sensation don't make these false dichotomies and you know what it's available it's accessible where are you what does this type of prayer this protective prayer to make sure right you have the right type of experience that, that you are are experiencing god experiencing the emotion attached to the truth of the gospel there's no dichotomy between the two and this is a beautiful prayer of protection for his church we are called out to do what to be different, right? The people sense. So being up at Florida State, again, I, I've, I've talked about this before, but it was awesome hearing my daughter talk about being involved with RUF, Reformed University Fellowship, and some of the Camp Crusade for Christ. And as she was saying, as she was sitting, she was sitting a couple rows behind us uh, for the second half, I guess we weren't cool enough, but, you know, she you know, with her friends. No, I'm kidding. It was cool. Uh, but just, they're all, like, all students in different ministries there. And, and just kind of hearing some of the stories that she was telling us about these students who are living at probably one of the top five party schools in the nation, right? But they're meeting weekly. And you know what they're doing? They're doing Bible study. And they're, and they're sharing their faith. And there's a joy and a confidence that as I just felt some of that, I was like, man, God, yeah, I do remember being on Daytona Beach in 1994-95. And I didn't care who it was. Everybody came down from the Midwest in college to all these universities, and they were there at Daytona Beach. I just shared my faith because I wanted them to understand the gospel. Have I lost that, God? Has, has suburbia made us numb? Please. Paul is saying, don't lose that. Don't lose that. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. We're the ecclesia. We are called out. We're the people sent out into the world to be what? Salt, to be, give it flavor and to give it light, to, to expose the darkness and to give them the hope of Jesus. Where are you? 
It's all about him. It's all about his height and his depth and his breadth and his length. To grasp that, to be ambushed by that. Let's ask God right now that he would invade us and, and have us experience.